This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a turn of the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLegaJet1. And we are going to do the mega free agency mailbag right now with our friend who runs, operates, reports for JetsInsider.com. And of course, he is a very big deal, Chris Nimbley. What's going on, Chris? Not much. Just, you know, hanging out, being a very big deal, doing very big deal things. It's what you do on a daily basis, and that's why I'm glad that over the next few days, as free agency gets going, we're going to do Saturday, Sunday shows. We're going to do shows all throughout next week with daily updates on free agency. We'll do whispers tomorrow and Sunday, what everybody's hearing. We'll talk about the rumors, and we may even answer questions. So if you want to get in more questions after today's mailbag, we can get to that too. But before we get to the mega mailbag, Chris... I wanted to ask you about this Antonio Brown story because it's absolutely insane. So we know that the Jets reportedly out of the running. This is reported by NFL Network and a couple of other places. Okay, fine. Address this with Daryl Slater on yesterday's podcast. The Jets did their due diligence, whatever. I'm okay with it because Antonio Brown is clearly off his rocker. You'd have to give him a new contract. You'd be afraid of what he could do to the locker room. You'd have to give up a draft pick. All of that. I totally understand that going after Antonio Brown. Then the news breaks late last night that the Buffalo Bills are getting him. Ian Rappaport reports this from NFL Network. And then like less than an hour later, the report comes out, ah, no, actually, that's not happening, and the Bills probably aren't trading for him altogether. They did the same thing the Jets did. They checked in, but it doesn't look like any deals happening there. So let's unpack this Antonio Brown story, including the fact that when the report came out that the Bills had traded for him, he went on his Instagram and called it fake news, which made me laugh. Well, what's going on with Antonio Brown here? And as far as the Jets go... If the Bills had landed Antonio Brown, do you think that would have added pressure on them to go out and make a big splash in free agency? You know, I think it's it's kind of blatant and obvious what happened with uh, the Bills and Antonio Brown. I, it appears the Bills and Steelers talked. They uh, had gotten the framework, at least, of a deal in place. And then somebody cued in Antonio Brown. And Br- Antonio Brown has been very vocal about saying, I'm not going to go just anywhere. Uh, it has to be the right spot for me. That I, He wants to win, he says. He wants a good quarterback, and he wants to be paid. And he wasn't going to go to Buffalo. So after that happened, the deal was done. And it, it really seems uh, not done like completed, but done like not going to happen. So that's, that's the feeling I get. That's how it seems it happened. I don't think the Jets were ever truly in on him. I think that, you know, McCagnan probably did, and I'm sure placed a call to see, check in, because every GM does that stuff normally. But I really can't see Adam Gase being on board with bringing in an Antonio Brown. We're also not just talking about money here. We're talking about giving up a draft pick to get him. And then, you know, I I do kind of think Antonio Brown is has, like, watched – what happens with the NBA where you see NBA players kind of make a big mess to get traded and then they get traded and end up at the new team. And everyone kind of forgets that this big mess happens and they just go on to accept the, the, the big player that the team got that doesn't really work in the NFL. I think he's trying that. And 
he's killing his own value with a lot of the stuff he's doing. And I mean, the mustaches, I, I, I don't get into <laughs> office field stuff, but I can't trust anybody that bleaches their mustache, man. I'm sorry. That's, that had, there has to be a line drawn somewhere. I draw the line at the bleached mustache. How I can't trust somebody that does that. But then if you trade him, then you have to give him a new contract and, you know, Antonio Brown for two or three years. Absolutely. Are you giving him five years at this stage of his career? Because I do think he's at the end of his prime. And then you have to take the gamble and everything with the locker room. And maybe it will work. I don't know. But I just the Jets, I can't see them being interested if it if they can get him for one of their thirds, possibly. But I still don't think that they're going to be interested in, even at that price. And I think at that price, the Steelers would ha- be happy to just be like, you know what? You come report for us or you pay back that part of that signing bonus that you owe us and retire. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Got to give a shout out to our friend Jude, who was the first one to be super vocal about the whole bleached mustache issue. Can't because trust it. You can't. can't. It's the actions of a psychopath, 100%. I think it's really fascinating what Antonio Brown is doing on a variety of levels. As I said on Twitter the other day, he's either losing his mind or he's doing an Andy Kaufman routine. I tend to lean towards losing his mind part of this. And I am more than happy to have the Jets steer clear of him, especially considering that he's going to cost a draft pick. He's going to cost a lot of money because he's already said that whoever trades for him is going to have to pony up a lot of guaranteed money. I see a lot of potential problems if he was brought in here. So again, like you said, Chris, if you were able to get him on the cheap, maybe because what's the worst that could happen if you give up a fourth rounder? If he doesn't pan out, you just get rid of him and get him out of here. But you can't be giving up a first or a second round pick for a guy like that, especially since you don't even have a second round pick right now so you'd have to go get one first or you'd have to give up one in next year's draft so that whole thing has the potential to be a gigantic mess but one guy who's definitely not a gigantic mess is cj mosley and as we get into the mailbag at gary the Wire on twitter wants to know whether or not the jets should get in on the bidding for cj mosley the outstanding pro bowl linebacker for the baltimore ravens yeah, you know, C.J. Mosley's a good player. He could help this team, um, you know, especially if the Jets are going to be sticking with more, you know, I'm, I'm t- sick of having this conversation about the 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, whatever, especially since they're usually going to be in nickel base anyway. Um, 
but they're basically sticking with the same uh, formation stuff. Avery Williamson is going to be perfectly fine there. You're good with him there. So you would be looking more at C.J. Mosley as, you know, an upgrade replacement over Darren Lee. Uh, but is he's he's going to – he'd have to take a back seat. Like, he, you can't have him as a high priority. I had, a, you know, a take uh, – Landon Collins take the other day, and I'd put – him as a higher priority than Landon Collins, but it's the same basic thing. You got to, they got to look at the running back. They got to look at the offensive line and the pass rushers first. And they need to get those, put prioritize those guys. And then if they either get those guys and have enough money left over, or they miss out on enough guys that they wanted and need to spend some of this money, then you can, if they're still available, you can go and turn your attention to someone like CJ Mosley, Landon Collins, because the Jets are devoid of talent. They need to be looking at bringing in more talent at, at any position in any way possible. They're going to have to spend this money. If they're missing out. Then they're going to have to, you know, go and spend money elsewhere. CJ Mosley is a good player. It's not as much of a need of priority. And so there's a good chance he'll be gone by the time they could get around to him. But, it, you know, it, it, he could help this team, but it's it's got to be less of a priority than some of these other players. I'm with you on that for sure, Chris. I think that C.J. Mosley could be argued as the best defensive free agent in this class, and he's obviously in his prime, could make a real difference on this defense. But the position that he plays is not as big of a need as some of the other ones, and on top of it, they've really got to focus on getting guys on the offense, specifically Matt Paradis and Le'Veon Bell. I think once they make those moves, or once they find out whether or not they're going to get those two guys, then they can move on to guys like Mosley. And if Mosley is available at that point, like you said, absolutely he's worth getting. You don't know what you're getting out of Darren Lee. He got suspended, and other than a handful of games last year, he's been kind of shaky. You don't know what Avery Williamson's going to do in this Greg Williams defense either because there's going to be shifting between the 4-3 and the 3-4 and Mosley is a legitimate difference maker so if they can get him after fixing the other holes I would absolutely look into it and I would certainly do it ahead of Landon Collins because I think that the need at linebacker inside is much greater than the need at safety which leads into our next question Chris from Tommy Griffincrantz he wants to know with tons of safeties available in free agency would you consider trading Marcus May? And if so, what kind of value do you think he would have? All right. So the second part of this question is what's going to dictate the first part of this question. Uh, my first answer on the, or my answer on the first part of the question. Uh, no, I wouldn't consider trading him because I can't imagine that you're getting anything of value for him. Uh, a 26 year old safety who had a solid rookie season and then got hurt the last game of the year, and then was basically hurt the entire season last year. What type of value are we talking about here? Uh, I can't see them getting anything more than like a fourth or a fifth round pick. And I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather, you know, take the risk and gamble on seeing what he's like if he can stay healthy this year than the upside that could possibly come with that fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, obviously, I'm not saying Marcus May is untouchable. I just can't imagine that you'd get anything valuable enough to trade him. I mean, if you can flip him for a second-round pick, do it. But, I mean, who's trading a second-round pick for him? Yeah, I'm with you on that, Chris. I'd be fine with trading him, but I just don't think you're going to get any value for him. Like you said, 26-year-old safety who's been hurt a lot already. 
And he's not that far away from being past his rookie contract anyway. He's only got two more years left on the deal. It's not like he was a first-round pick and has three more years left. So you put all of that together. I just don't think you get any more than like a fifth-round pick. Maybe you could get a conditional fourth or something. And at that point, why do that? Because if May is healthy, he's certainly going to give you a lot more than that. And there's just no point, especially since he and Adam seem to work well together when he's actually healthy. We keep talking about this. People keep wanting to trade away players, which is fine, and I get it. But And I was arguing with this when I had my Landon Collins take. People were acting like the Jets are completely set at safety. I don't know how you get that. They have Jamal Adams. They're set there. But Marcus May hasn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, uh, Rontez Miles, Doug Middleton, cool. Uh, but, like, no, they they could use an upgrade there. It's not as high a priority, obviously, but it's not. They're not completely set there. Next question comes in from Sean Stalker. He wants to know, who do you see the Jets targeting at wide receiver? There's no wide receiver number one out there. Humphreys, Crowder, Tate, Williams could all possibly improve the offense. What do you think about those options? Who would you go after, and what do you think they're looking at in terms of preference and money? Yeah, I'd out of those guys, I'd be looking at Humphreys. I like Crowder a lot, too. Um Tate is an interesting guy because he's somebody I've always liked. Uh, you know, I, I since Notre Dame, I he's obviously not the player that he once was. He's on the downside of his career. He's a little bit older. He's probably going to command a bit too much money. The one thing is though, you could put him in the slot and you could have him do a lot of the stuff that that Quincy was doing and doesn't want to do more. That could open things up more for him. I just don't think that that's the best use of the money though because I think he's going to. Just off name alone, somebody's going to be willing to pay him more, and who knows how long that is. I think Humphreys would be a better fit um, to do what he does. Um, you know, obviously, there's nobody on the outside that you really you – know, there's no A.J. Green types available. Their Bengals aren't looking to trade him. There's nobody, you know, like that. I, I know a couple months ago people were concocting these dreams of being able to trade for Mike Evans, like – but you, it, that's what they really need is a number one type on the outside. They can, there's a couple of options there at, uh, in the slot. And I think they'd be fine with Humphreys or Crowder. Um, cause they, they do need more help there as well. And again, they have all the money. So go spend some of it on it, which is why if they were to overpay for Golden Tate, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I just would prioritize Humphreys and probably even Crowder over him. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I like the idea of Crowder because I think he's going to end up being a lot less expensive than Tate or Humphreys, yeah. and I think that Crowder could give you 85 to 90% of the production that Humphreys can for a fraction of the price, but 
There have been reports that Crowder is going to get a lot more than I suspect he will. I was thinking he was going to get five to six million. Some people think that he could get upwards of eight or nine million. If that's the case, I guess I would reevaluate my position on it. But we'll see how the money turns out. But I do like the idea of Jamison Crowder. He's a guy that's a really good slot receiver. I think he'd fit in well on this offense. And on top of that, I think that he took some strides before he got hurt last year in the area of yards after the catch, which is very important in an Adam Gase offense. Next question comes in from Gabriel Pino. He wants to know, is there a chance that the Jets go after a linebacker in free agency and then turn around and trade Darren Lee for a second-round pick? So I guess this is kind of like the Marcus May question. I'll answer this first, Chris. They may go after a linebacker, and they may shop Darren Lee, but they are not getting a second-round pick for him. <laughs> yeah, that, that part is where I will have the trouble finding it. Uh, I could definitely see them, like we just said, we were talking about C.J. Mosley. I could see them doing it. Um, you know, or not even just CJ Mosley, I could see them getting another linebacker at looking, whether it's, you know, depth or whether it's, let's see them if he can compete and beat out Darren Lee, or we know this guy's better than Darren Lee and then we'll use him as depth. But, and that I could see them looking to flip him, but I don't know that they're going to get anything of value for it to be worth it. And I definitely have i have a really hard time seeing him get a second round pick especially it would have been one thing if he could have continued all of last year and continued building on uh, getting better and everything but then he ended the season with that suspension yeah who's trading a second round pick for that I, i can't even see a third round pick there either to be honest i don't even know if i could see a fourth round pick there's just way too many questions around darren lee I'd be fine with shopping him just to kind of gauge what his value is, but I don't see them getting much. So at this point, I'd rather just hang on to him, hope that he plays well, and then either they can evaluate keeping him on a longer-term deal or dealing him for something more than what they would obviously get right now. Because I think And telling him to stay off Twitter. Yes, that too. But I think he's obviously right now would be a sell-low candidate, and there's no reason to be doing that. Next question comes in from Chris Kofsky. He wants to know if you think it's realistic that the Jets and Giants could do business together, whether or not that's the Giants trading up to the number three pick with the Jets to land a quarterback or making some sort of move for Odell Beckham. The the second part, I think, is unrealistic. Uh, I think if the, unless the Jets were to somehow you know, offer up the number three overall pick or something, you know, one a godfather type offer they couldn't refuse. But even then, I think they'd be hesitant. I think that is where they would be like, mm, we don't want to send this guy to go watch him have a Hall of Fame career in the same stadium as us and all that type of stuff. I think that would be a little unrealistic. I'm not one who sits there and says the Jets and Giants will never do business with each other like that. Where, if, you know, if the Giants wanted to trade up for Haskins or something like that, I think it's a cut your nose to spite your face type of thing. If, you, if, you're, if they're really going to do that, and I'm not saying it hasn't happened in the past, but if you can look at it, something that will help both teams, look at the way the Colts and Jets worked out a trade last year, that greatly benefited the Colts and the Jets finally got their quarterback. That was a win-win scenario for both teams. I have a hard time seeing a scenario like that presented for both those teams and then not doing it just because they share a stadium together and the same market. That doesn't make sense. I probably think it's unlikely though, because I don't 
see Gettleman making a move like that to trade up and do anything like that. And I don't think he's going to have to. I think they'll be able to sit comfortably at six and take uh, Dwayne Haskins if they want to. Because I, I just, except for Kyler Murray, Murray, I don't think that anybody is going to be pressed to move up for any of these quarterbacks. I don't think there's going to be that much competition for these quarterbacks. I just don't think people are in love with these quarterbacks like they were in quarterbacks from last year. Next question comes in from our buddy Michael Christopher. He wants to know who we think the Jets will target right out of the gate in free agency and whether or not Anthony Barr is going to be one of their top targets. Barr is, Barr is interesting. Um, I would say that he's he's not going to be the top, top target, but I could see him being, you know, a, a, definitely a call they make on the first day to check and gauge interest and everything. I, you know, you got to think that Le'Veon Bell at least should be the first call, but uh, Le'Veon Bell and or Tevin Coleman, whichever direction that's going to end up going, uh, Paradis, and then maybe Saffold. And then from there, you can start, uh, you know, there about the Anthony Barr range after that, you know, and maybe you put a quarterback or two above them. You know, Darby or Bryce Callahan, the, the slot corner, because I definitely do expect them to look to address that slot corner position. Um, so bars near the top of the list, but definitely not at the top, top of the list. Yeah, I agree, Chris. I think that he's a guy that they'll certainly look at. I don't know if they'll get around to him in time to make a right. serious offer. And this is kind of what you were getting at with Landon Collins before. I think they're going to focus predominantly on the offensive line first and then probably wide receiver and running back, whether it's Matt Paradis or Mitch Morse, whether it's Roger Saffold or Quentin Spain. I think that's probably where they look first. And then if Barr is still around, then they might make some sort of offer. But I would like to have him. I think there's a ton of upside there. Tremendous athlete still kind of raw as a linebacker but he's been very good as a pass rusher both at UCLA and in the pros when used that way but he's typically not been deployed that way when he has he's been successful so I'd be curious to see if maybe Greg Williams thinks he could take him repackage him into a pass rushing threat and use him that way I think that he could probably have success there I'm curious to see if the Jets coaching staff agrees and speaking of the Jets coaching staff Chris our next question involves the Jets coaching staff Sunmoon Rise wants to know considering that we we know that Todd Bowles had a lot of input into what the Jets did with the draft and with free agency. How much of what the Jets do here in the offseason with free agency is going to be dictated by the needs and desires of Adam Gase? A lot. Because um, remember, it's not just Todd Bowles who had a lot to say. Uh, John Morton, in his one and only year at the team, he hadn't coached a single uh, game for the Jets McCagnan let him make the Ardarius Stewart pick. Like, I, I, that's crazy. You bring in an offensive coordinator that doesn't even have a pedigree. Uh, you know, it's we're not talking about bringing in a, a, a Kyle Shanahan before or something like that. We're talking about a guy who, uh, John Morton, and you gave him the ch opportunity to make the pick with that third round, and that same player is gone already. But this is what McCagnan does. This is a part of it, how he goes about things. And uh, I think that Gase is going to have a big say in free agency and draft. And, you know, it's this is a part of the problem of keeping McCagnan and bringing in a new coach. You're going to have them working on different timelines and they're going to be it's going to be a mess. But I, Gase is going to have a decent amount of say in this. 
that sounds about right based on what I've heard and just reading the tea leaves. I think that Gase is going to have a lot of input. I think Mac is going to lean on him a lot and say, okay, which guys do you want? Which guys do you need? And they're going to collaborate that way. Mac will have the final say, but I think Gase is going to have a lot of input into the decisions here. And so, Chris, this kind of goes into what you were telling me earlier, which is that you've heard conflicting stuff about whether or not Adam Gase would want Le'Veon Bell. So if the Jets do or don't chase Le'Veon Bell, Gase's thoughts on Bell and whether or not he wants him on this team would certainly be a huge factor in whether or not the Jets would try to pony up some money for him, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I say this all the time when I'm trying to tell people what I'm hearing and this and that. What I'm hearing doesn't necessarily mean it's what will happen because I never know how much to trust it. But if what I will say is if we see this happen, play out, and we see that the Jets made a serious run at Le'Veon Bell and Bell chose elsewhere, then fine, cool. Then it, it, Gase might not have been against him. But if if we see them come in and they come with a port, oh, we just weren't willing to go to this number or whatever, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say, yep, then that what I've been hearing, Adam Gase wasn't interested with him uh, and having him, that would be the case there because there's McCagnon was – all set to make the run after Bell. He knows he needs to make some type of splash like that. He's talked about how much he needs to spend money. If all of a sudden he turns around and is talking about how we weren't willing to meet this price, that's just him spinning and covering up for the fact that, that the case wasn't the one didn't want him. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcast this is the overtime podcast network let's address manish meta's article in the daily news yesterday and it wasn't a report it was just an article by manish about how perhaps tevin coleman is a better fit for the jets than Le'Veon bell let's get this out of the way first no not in any way is tevin coleman a better fit than Le'Veon bell the only argument is money which i think if you're Penny pinching at that point over ten million for Tevin Coleman or sixteen million for Le'Veon Bell. You've lost the plot, especially when you have that kind of money and need a difference maker for Darnold. But if you look at every aspect of their game, if you look at the fact that I keep hearing oh Le'Veon Bell is a locker room problem, yet I never heard anything like that from the people I've spoken to that covered the team in Pittsburgh. The only problems that involved him in the locker room was when he didn't show up. But before that, nobody had any problem with him as a teammate. You factor all of this in, and then people say, oh, the age factor. He's exactly one year older than Tevin Coleman. Let's be real about this. Le'Veon Bell is going to the Hall of Fame. He's only 27 years old. He missed the year last year, so his legs are fresh. The same way that Marcus Allen's legs were fresh because the Raiders weren't using him as much when they had Bo Jackson, and he had a falling out with the owner, Al Davis. You're looking at a guy here who is one of the best players in the entire league who's still at the peak of his powers and should realistically have at least two to three years left at a high level, as opposed to Tevin Coleman, who's a change of pace back, who's a pretty good receiver. 
That's all he is. We're talking about a guy who's a Bilal Powell level player. And look, I like Bilal Powell, nice player, but he's not that good, Tevin Coleman, and he's also not very good as a running back. Between the tackles, as an actual ball carrier, it's not his strength. So to even sit there and say that this guy could be anything close to Bell in terms of meaning to the team or a fit, it's just spin, it's nonsense, and like you said, Chris, I think that this was to lay the groundwork for if the Jets either don't go after Bell or don't land him and end up with Coleman. And I think that if they don't go after him vigorously, that means that either Mike McCagnin is too secure in his job, or he's leaning on Gase too much, or it's a combination of both. And let's be honest, the reason why people were upset about this article by Manish is because we all know where this information is coming from. It's pretty well known by everybody that Manish is basically the guy who is the mouthpiece for the organization. They feed him this information. And I'm not getting on Manish for actually being the one to report this stuff. He gets what he gets, and then he goes out there and he throws it out there. I don't like the fact that he plays into their agenda and kind of tries to spin it in their favor. But the fact of the matter is we all know that that's the issue with this information, and that's why people are upset is because we all know Manisha's ties to the front office. So if, like you said, they go after Bell, they make a huge offer, he goes elsewhere, those are the breaks, that's life in the big city. But... If Bell goes elsewhere because the Jets decided that they didn't want to make a big offer and then they try and spin you on Tevin Coleman being the better option, then we got a big problem. And then Jets fans are going to rightly be very, very upset with the Jets for making an incredible miscalculation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and listen, I'm a Tevin Coleman fan. I've been a Tevin Coleman fan since he was in Indiana. I liked him coming out. I liked what he was doing his first couple of years in Atlanta. But the there's two arguments you can make uh, to, to support him. And one of them is obviously the money, but people are acting like it's going to be some super cheap deal. He's going to get a Jarek McKinnon type deal. Someone's going to pay him a decent amount of money. We're not talking about like, you know, getting him on a couple million dollars a year salary. Um, the other only supporting argument is also an argument that works against uh, him. Like, he has less miles on him. But why does he have less miles on him? Because he was never able to be Le'Veon Bell quality good. There's a Le'Veon Bell, if Le'Veon Bell was as good as Tevin Coleman is, or you know, not less good, he he probably wouldn't have the miles on him either. The reason why he was held out last year is because he knew the Steelers were going to give him 400 touches and run him into the ground and get try to milk every last cent of his value before they got rid of him because he has more value than Tevin Coleman because he is that much better than Tevin Coleman. Le'Veon Bell would never be used in a secondary role like Tevin Coleman is because Le'Veon Bell is going to be better than whoever the other running backs is in your group. So the the my, having less mileage argument doesn't work for me because the reason he has less mileage is because he's not as good of a running back. The reason why he you compare him to a Bilal Powell type, another player who player people, uh, fans always wanted more touches, more carries, he's not built for it. That's going to cause a problem. He can't withstand it. He can't be as productive getting that many touches. There's a reason why Le'Veon Bell is valued higher, why he's going to cost much more, more money, not much more money, but going to cost more money because he's a much 
better player. The Jets, if the Jets were strapped for cash, I could see making the money argument. The Jets need to be spending money. Go spend it on the best offensive player available. Don't be sitting here trying to cut corners and trying to save a couple million here and there. Yeah, 100%. And we're going to see what they end up doing on this. Like I said, I'm going to be really angry if they don't make every effort to get this guy. If they do and he goes elsewhere, it is what it is. They did it with Cousins last year, and I can't kill Mac. He did everything he could. And whether or not you thought that going after Cousins is the right move, it was what Mac decided to do, and he got aggressive in it. Bottom line is, Le'Veon Bell is a player they really need. They have to get playmakers around Sam Darnold. Bell can be had without giving up draft capital. He's at the peak of his powers. He can probably give you two to three more elite seasons, which is all you can realistically ask for. So go out there and do everything you can to get him. And if you come up short, you come up short. But do not miss out on Le'Veon Bell for any other reason than he decided he would rather play somewhere else. Do not make it because you didn't meet his price. Get him and you know you're going to get like two or three years out of him, whatever you might have to pay for, fourth uh, year or whatever. But you get him, you do that, and then you can spend the next couple of drafts looking for that next running back replacement in the second, third round, something like that. And then by the time Le'Veon is not Le'Veon anymore, you got the next guy ready to go already. Exactly, which is what they should do at offensive line, too. If they go out and they get Paradis and Saffold, exactly. they should still go out. Because remember, everybody talks about Alan Fanica and what a big impact he made, and certainly that is the case. But people forget Fanica was only here for two years. So in the meantime, they were grooming a replacement, and that's what you need to do on the offensive line, too. Because whether it's Paradis or Saffold, you're probably only going to realistically get two to three good years out of either one of them. Next right. question comes from Michael Luttrell. He wants to know, how come when you get one of those canker sores on your gums you have to keep touching it with your tongue even though it hurts i'll answer this first i think it's mostly because human beings are idiots yeah uh, uh, that's a good that's a good answer also we hate ourselves yes like we all hate ourselves to some degree and we all love torturing and making things worse for ourselves and something like that it's just right there it's just it's just so easy to just poke at and just annoy yourself and and we love to do that this is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Jets Timeline. He wants to know, why do people seem to have soured on drafting Josh Allen lately? I'll answer this first. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't heard anybody souring on Josh Allen at all, as far as I can tell. He's pretty much in the same standing that he's been in for a while, which is if they don't get Bosa, people would be happy with Allen. That's at least my read on the situation. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's the majority of it. I don't know. He he might be talking directly to me since I, I soured on him a little bit after the couple of uh, games that I watched. I watched the three games on him. I, I soured on him a little bit. Of course, that was when I said that. It was also when I was thinking they were going to go more of a 4-3. If they're going to stay in more of a 3-4, then it makes a little more sense. Um I need. I still need to watch more tape on him, but uh, I the general, uh, you know, what I'm seeing is most people haven't soured on him. Most people, there, there's still a lot of people that that's the guy that they want. I, I, I they definitely rather have Josh Allen than Quinn and Williams. Uh, the majority of people that I see and talk, uh, I've seen and communicate with. So uh, I don't think he's soured too much. I just, I think there's 
one defensive player, and I've, we've talked about this, and I reserve the right to change my opinion after watching more tape on Quinnen Williams and Josh Allen. But right now, there's one defensive player at the top of the draft that I, that is worth that number three pick or above that I'm 100% comfortable with, and that's Nick Bosa. The other guys, I have questions. I, I have questions, and when you're taking somebody at number three, you'd like to not have questions. The problem is there's a lack of those guys in this draft because there's also not offensive guys that I don't have questions that you could take there either. I disagree with you on Quentin Williams, obviously. I think that he's actually the best player in this draft, and I have him graded ahead of Bosa. I would probably take Bosa ahead of him anyway just because of the difference between the edge and the interior, but I think if you got either one of them, they would be a major difference maker and a huge disruptor for the defensive side of the ball. I like Allen a lot, too. I think he's not quite as good as the other two guys. I'd be happy with him, though, but obviously happier with either Bosa or Quentin Williams. But, Chris, I will say, once you really dig into Quentin Williams' film, I'm curious if your opinion will change at all. I reserve the right to change my opinion. This is how it always happens for me. The entire draft process, I will go back and forth as new information comes into me. I don't have time to watch the film on these guys during the season. It's this time of year I start digging into it. So I reserve the right to change my mind there. Listen, when you're a very big deal, your time is exactly. limited. You get it. You get it. <laughs> Next question comes in from Robert Lee, who took a break from leading the South in the Civil War to ask us a mailbag question. He wants to know, for all the talk about Le'Veon Bell, do you think that it's actually more important that they sign Matt Paradis? Nah, maybe I, I'm going back and forth. I'm reserving the right to change my mind in the moment here. I think they're pretty close to equal. They They obviously need to address the offensive line. The offensive line as a whole is more important to be improved. So Paradis, definitely. But Le'Veon Bell helps uh, helps out Darnold in so many ways. He helps out everybody else, too. Um, I, I also think that the chances of you being able to find somebody who's like 80 to 90% of what Paradis is is probably more likely to happen than you're going to be able to get somebody else who can be 85, 90% of what Le'Veon Bell is. And then Paradis is coming off a, a major injury too. So I'd, I'd, I'd say Le'Veon Bell is more important, but it's, it's not by that much. And they can survive, you know, it, it's not a total loss if, like we said, that they just lose out on Le'Veon Bell. They can't really lose out on Le'Veon Bell and Paradis in the offensive line, though. So they're they're tied together. But I'd I'd rank I I just I, Bell is a Hall of Fame player. Paradis is very good, but is he is he that is he the best center in the league among the best centers in the league? I, I don't know about all that. Le'Veon Bell is, and he can help in so many different ways. I think that you could make a strong case that Paradis is more important in terms of the fact that. They are desperate center, and so if they don't land a guy who's a really good center, they're going to have nowhere else to turn, and you could be looking at a disastrous situation there. I think Morse is solid, so I guess the drop-off from Paradis to Morse isn't as severe as the drop-off from Bell to Tevin Coleman, but I think that you can make the case that you need Paradis more than Bell. It's an interesting question. I think you could go either way on it, but my take on it is ultimately that the Jets need to get both of those two guys, and everybody else in free agency would be gravy after that. Which, whichever way you want to put it, they're 1A and 1B. 
A hundred percent. I think one A, one B, and then everybody after that becomes gravy and a secondary option. As much as he'd love to have some of these other guys, Flowers, Bar, whoever else, it's got to be Bell and Paradis first. So if they can land those two, you should consider that a successful free agency period. This comes in from our own Michael Nania, the host of Chronicles of Nania here at Turn on the Jets Digital and also writer over at Gangrene Nation. He wants to know, is there any word on which numbers Dante Fowler and Adrian Peterson will be wearing for the Jets? Also, what are your thoughts on the Jets finishing as runners-up in the sweepstakes for Flowers, Bell, and Paradis? I think it says a lot positive about Mac for him to finish in the top two for so many of the best free agents. Now, obviously, Michael's goofing around here based on the fact that the Jets seem to come up short in a lot of these big sweepstakes but what do you think Chris do you think that they're going to be super aggressive and do you think that they're going to land some of their top targets or do you think that we're going to be sitting here talking about how they signed Dante Fowler to some massive free agent contract and some second tier guy like Tevin Coleman when we get into these chats next week after the dust starts to settle yeah this is this is kind of tough because like it's hard to sit here and look at this situation, the cap space, knowing what McCagnan knows he needs to do, and to sit there and imagine that he's not going to be swinging huge and not coming away with these guys. But from what we've seen, the history we've seen with him, he's this is you kind of expect him to come up short, and then we get the reports about how. They all they were interested. They just weren't willing to meet this price and this and that. He, we saw it last year with Spencer Long, and then they moved on, and that was a complete waste of a year there because of that. Um, so yeah, I just they're gonna. I think it's, it's a lot's gonna depend how we view this is gonna depend on what happens with Le'Veon Bell. Like we said, if they come out and they just missed him and he, he just wanted to go somewhere else, then fine. But if if they're pinching pennies and that's why they don't get it, then that that's going to kind of taint everything. And Fowler is interesting because I have heard that, you know, we've heard Fowler's name connected with the Jets for a while now. Um, I've heard that that was Bulls who was really interested in uh, the one who wanted Fowler so much. So is McCagnan still going to be interested there? Is that going to be the case or – does Greg Williams love him just as much? Does Greg Williams want to bring somebody like Jamie Collins from Cleveland here? Who knows what's going to happen around there? Uh, they're they're going to spend money. I right now I wouldn't be holding my breath that they're going to get a lot of the top guys. I I kind of with Jets fans, I feel like you should be uh, bracing yourself for us at least a little bit of a disappointment this off season. I just don't. I, from from his history, from what he's shown us, I just don't have confidence and faith in him to do exactly what needs to be done here, even though there's no reason for him not to. That should be an evergreen statement. We should just post that up and we can go back to that every offseason. Jets fans, prepare for disappointment. Yes. <laughs> and staying on the subject of Dante Fowler, this comes in from Stevie Babe. <laughs> What a handle. He wants to know, other than a couple of big plays and big spots, is there anything about the numbers that makes you feel comfortable about the massive deal that Dante Fowler is going to get? And I'll answer this first. No. 
I've watched his film. I've looked at his stats. I see a very average player, and I don't have any idea why somebody would give him a big contract other than the fact that he was picked really high out of Florida, and people are still hoping that he can become the player that they evaluated him as coming out of college. But if you're looking just based on what he's done in the pros, I don't see it at all. Yeah, I'm I'm closer to you, but I, I will add this caveat. It depends on what else they do. If they... Were, if they sign Preston Smith and Fowler, then I, then I like Fowler a little more. If they're bringing in Fowler to be like the guy and that's their edge guy, or, you know, if they get Fowler and then they go with and draft uh, Josh Allen and, or Eric Bosa, then that, that makes Fowler a little bit better. And it's, he's the contract Fowler gets wherever he's going to go is going to be too much. He, he's going to be overpaid. But if the Jets get the right combination of people around him, I think it can be manageable and doable here. But I would still be looking. I'd rather go sign Flowers, uh, Trey Flowers from the Patriots, even though I, I still have a hard time seeing the Patriots letting him go. But Justin Houston and Preston Smith, I'd get those two guys over Fowler. But if they get somebody else with Fowler, then I, I won't be as much of a overspend disappointment as if they just go get Fowler to be their one pass rushing from the edge. Last question, Chris, and we got some variation of this from multiple people, but I'm going to credit this to Tom Marvulli. He wants to know, why do the Jets hate me and want to cause me pain? <laughs> hurt people hurt people. The Jets hate themselves, so you know they, want, they, they hate you guys too. And misery loves company, all that. And hurt people hurt people. That's the best I got for you. That's pretty much where I'm coming from. I think they're just so used to letting people down and hurting fans that it's become second nature at this point. Yeah, it's it's what they do. <laughs> it's like it's a reflex at this point. And it, it's just they just like breathing. No one ever thinks about their breathing. You just do it. The Jets don't want to disappoint you. They just do it. Chris, we're going to be doing these shows all throughout the weekend and all throughout next week as we get into the meat and potatoes of free agency. Saturday and Sunday, we'll do whispers and rumors and take questions. And then Monday through Friday, we're going to be doing reports on what's actually going down as the legal tampering period begins. Really looking forward to diving into this stuff with you starting tomorrow. And listen, there is nothing better than dissecting free agency this time of year with a very big deal. So thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. In the meantime, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where they can interact with you and read your very big deal work. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CNimbly and, of course, JetsInsider.com. Once, uh, you know, free agency starting up next week, so uh, we'll have a bunch of stuff out there. I'm going to start doing, uh, you know, at the beginning, I got a bunch of stories uh, ready to go at the beginning of next week. I'll start releasing about free agencies, targets, who, what they should do, how how they should go about spending this money that needs to be spent. So look for that at JetsInsider.com or at JetsInsider and at CNimbly on Twitter. Go ahead and check out Chris at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. <laughs>